Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet where we dare to talk about things like fantasy, dragons, sci-fi, lasers, superheroes, TV, movies, books, pop culture, and so on. I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinterIsComing.net, and Mia Johnson, editor of DorkToTheForce.com, is out today, but we have a very special guest, the wonderful and talented Corey Smith, who is also a writer at Wick. Corey, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Love all, yeah. Always love to come on. It's always a blast to have you because not to... Uh, me is my favorite, obviously, but it's 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 good to um, talk with someone who is... How do I say that to people? Who's like a, 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 a bit more like sunk into the morass that is... Hey, fantasy nerdy. books hey, and oh, there we go okay giant nerds like l- l- like yeah. me and because me is a nerd but she's a nerd for other stuff like right. she doesn't have a command of knowledge about for example the lord of the rings which we're going to talk about a bit today uh i guess we can just and thanks everybody who's watched us if you have a comment a thought a query feel free to sound off we'd love to talk to you hey christian good to see you and it's good that you're on today because we are going to talk about um to start things off a Lord of the Rings related news tidbit. Because for a while now, for literally years now, I think, we've known that Amazon Prime Video, Jeff Bezos's little baby that could, is making a tremendously ambitious, incredibly expensive, deeply mysterious television show based on J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings world. And finally, the other day, they gave us an image and a release date. I thought we'd look at them and give our incredibly expert thoughts. What do you think, Corey? Think it's a good idea? Let's do it. Let's do it. Can we have the image, please? Okay. So, the first image of Jeff Bezos's Lord of the Rings show, $500 million for the first two seasons. Corey, just as someone who's read Lord of the Rings, watched Lord of the Rings, what do you see in this image? When do you just look at it? I mean, obviously, you get you get drawn to the figure there in the middle who's you do. wearing a, what looks like some very comfortable robes, pajamas, <laughs> not really sure there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's whoever that is, uh, we're, we're kind of assuming it's a male. I mean, it could easily be a female character. It, um, it looks, it leans a little more towards a male, I think, but um, yeah, I mean, that's where your eyes drawn is right there. And then you kind of pull back and you can see the vast, um, you know, landscape there that is, looks, obviously pretty stunning. Um, oh yeah. Very expensive. Um, and then of course the two trees that are kind of there in the, uh, you know, in the center, right behind the, uh, I don't know, the sunrise or the sunset, one of the two. Oh, um, neither. Neither. Oh, cause you know what that is. Okay. So I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and I read about my okay. Tolkien lore. That's not a sunrise on a sunset. If there are. So when I first looked at this, I saw a tree in the background. I was like, Oh, it's a tree and a sunset. How pretty. And then the internet looked closer and was like, oh, no, motherfucker, that's two trees. That is right. a dark tree and a light tree. So then if if you're a Tolkien nerd and like I knew this, but it's, you know, like Tolkien wrote so much mythology. It's hard to keep in your head. Um, so if we're looking at two trees, that means we are before the third age or before the second age or before the first age. This is way, way, way back in an era called the Years of the Two Trees. And, Corey, the reason I say that it's not something that's sunrise because in the Year of the Two Trees, guess what made light? Not the sun, not the moon, the damn trees. The trees actually give off light. It's where it's coming from. 
And yeah. I went down this deep, deep rabbit hole of like, oh, yeah, I remember that's all this crap from like the Silmarillion and all the appendices <laughs> where it's a whole thing where according to the mythology, like the godlike figures made the two trees and they shone with a holy light for like literally tens of thousands of years. And then like, again, this is before I think human beings are even a part of the world. Correct. And yes. so I, I think that's what we're looking at. That was my first thought as well, because there are, like you said, there's two trees and I, I forget their, their, their names. Um, I wrote them down. I don't remember. I like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be able to pronounce them anyways, but there are two trees and you are correct. It, the, it is before humans uh, inhabit the, the world or the earth or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's not before elves and no. the, the minor gods inhabit. Sauron's the around. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be, I mean, I do think that that skipping ahead a little bit, I think that's Sauron that we're looking at there in the picture. Um, it could be, but the only thing that threw me is we know that it's set in the, in the second age. So I, I wonder if we're looking at some sort of, um, you know, like a flashback or kind of, or maybe not a flashback, but just kind of, you know, in the, in the films, which I know aren't connected, they, they start by going back and showing you yes. kind of what led up to this. And that might be what be what we're the looking at. The world has changed. I feel right, like right, the water. But, I right, feel this like might the be air. the prologue that we're kind of seeing those, the two trees because they, is they do have a, a long history because it's not just that they they had the two trees they get eventually poisoned and destroyed by oh melkor and so much their kind of descendants go down through the ages um all the way until lord of the rings and there's a, the the tree in in uh, gondor and in minas tirith so it it could be that that we're looking at and it's just sort of a flashback or a prologue that, that we're looking at, not an actual scene uh, in the show. Oh, so yeah. I, I do, I mean, it, which if that's what we're looking at, the only thing with that, though, is that if I remember correctly, the two trees were in an uninhabited area of the world. And so in this shot, they're clearly right outside a city or something like that. Or maybe they're just large enough to see from the city. So, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, the two tree things, I think that that is probably ultimately what it is. And we're just looking at some sort of flashback. Thank God I looked up all sorts of stupid mythology last night uh, to write this article. The two trees were outside the Einar city of Valmar on the land of Valinor on the continent of Amman in the farthermost western point of Middle Earth. Right. <sighs> Stupid yeah, and, and that's oh, the thing. And, and by the way, I, I did Google it just in case any of you are burning with curiosity. It is um, Laurelin, the gold tree, and Talperian, the silver tree. And I completely agree with you. Yes, this is prologues, this is flashback. This isn't the show, the, show. The main setting of the show. Yeah, I think, and that's the thing with Tolkien's work is, you know, people see it as Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the Rings is really the end of a long. <laughs> story that he was telling you know and he started the story you know like game of thrones we kind of pick it up in the middle of what's going on and etc i mean he starts it literally back wow. at the beginning of time the forming of of middle earth the gods inhabiting it the the awakening of the elves and the dwarves and the humans i mean it it, it starts literally from day one 
for him. So he, I mean, showing the trees wouldn't be out of the question because he has written extensively about, you know, prehistory or whatever you want to call it. So. Corey, that what you said was so patiently intelligent, I pretty much collapsed here and the internet went out. Um, while you all stew on that, why don't we read a brief message from our sponsor, um, Manscaped. <clears throat> At this point in the show, I'd like to speak to the men in the audience and also to the women who know men. Winter has come and gone, but summer is here right now, which can mean heat, it means visiting beaches in various states of undress, and or sweat-related discomfort. To help with all of this, you'll want the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. This package comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, which makes removing body hair easier than ever before, thanks to its cutting-edge ceramic blade. It also has an LED spotlight, and it's waterproof. So if the power goes out while you're in the shower and you want to shave, not a problem. That's not the only product that Manscaped offers. The Weed Whacker takes care of that pesky nose and ear hair, and the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant is like ordinary deodorant, but applied to a different area of the body than you usually apply deodorant. Want the stuff for yourself? Get 20% off, plus free shipping, with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, plus free shipping, with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. All right, Corey, like really, really briefly, what did you say when my internet went out? Because I am very curious. No, I was just talking about Tolkien. I I don't think people realize how he starts his story at the beginning and Lord of the Rings is the end. So he has written a a huge amount of, of work and it does start all the way back when they're just literally making the gods are literally making the world and how it gets corrupted and the, the trees are, are early on in, in his story, but they do descend down through the history, through their, they do, sound, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. And everything, I mean, it's kind of that fantasy author thing where they get more interested in the mythology than in like the actual storytelling. Like George R. R. Martin kind of has that issue too. Only yeah. Tolkien had the good sense, I guess, to keep it all to appendices and other books. Whereas I feel like Martin is kind of like trying to explore absolutely everything that ever happened in this world in his main story a little bit and slowing him down a bit. But yeah, Tolkien was just in love with with his backstory, which is um was great. And we've never seen we've never seen it on screen before. So this is gonna be a new challenge. Are you interested, Corey, in the Lord of the Rings show yeah, coming I'm, next I'm year? Gonna- on, oh, by the way, sorry, coming on September second uh, of twenty twenty two. Yeah, so let's uh, we can talk about that too because I'm I'm very interested. I think the biggest takeaway is that clearly, at the very least, the show looks gorgeous mm-hmm. and it looks expensive, right? So it maybe better. we don't know what city we're looking at or who that is in the field. Valmar, right? Regardless, <laughs> it, it looks expensive. It looks beautiful. I'm very, very excited. I'm a huge Tolkien uh, nerd, and I've read all the the appendices and the similar and all that good stuff. So I I, I did find that the premiere date is 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 very interesting. That it's yeah. pushed all the way until essentially a year from now. You know, I, I know they just wrapped filming, um, and and you know they released some behind the scenes pictures of like rocks and trees and stuff, yeah. um, but. You know, I still find that interesting that, I mean, that's a, a whole year that they're requiring for post-production. 
Um, I know they've, they've also got wheel of time coming out, uh, this fall, but it, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it would be out of the question ordinarily to have post-production done in time for say a spring or a summer premiere, Sure, but they are waiting all and all the way until next fall, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, I think just announcing the premiere date over a year away, I'm not sure I've ever heard of that being done. There is some tweet from the One Ring that was like, this is the longest premiere date ever set, ever like announced this far ahead of time, which I, I'm not sure why they didn't do it. I mean, you're right. Like they have the Wheel of Time coming. They could have at least like waited until uh, that was a little more like maybe even over before giving us an exact date to get that hype train rolling. But I guess they just really wanted to get the information out to us. We have something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it, too. <laughs> And, you know, regarding the Wheel of Time, we only know the month of that premiere. Yeah. That's odd that they gave an exact date. They didn't say, you know, fall 2022. They said, here's the exact date. They don't even have the the exact date in November that the Wheel of Time is going to premiere. But I did also note that they talked about it will be released in a weekly fashion. Um, yes. They didn't necessarily say maybe it's two episodes, but I mean, I would think or... I would think it's probably just going to be the one, but I, I did appreciate that. I do want, I do like the weekly release schedule. Absolutely. For a lot of shows, especially for a show that's going to be, I think a little dense, a little more dense than like, you know, some of the other shows that are coming out where you want a week to, to fully dissect what's going on and, you know, learn everybody's names and, you know, it's going to have a <laughs> Talparian. High yeah. It's going to have a high learning curve. Uh, for a show, I mean, there's going to be a, a huge amount of characters. So I like that they went weekly with this. Um, I mean, we'll still see how, you know, is it every Tuesday at, at, at seven o'clock or, you know, cause I like that Disney does weekly on their shows. I'm not necessarily a fan that they release them at 1201, you know, midnight of the day of the release. So, I mean, I think they'll change of, that eventually. Yeah. So I think what, you know, some of the details we'll have to, wait and see but i do like that it'll be weekly it is a little odd that they you know gave the release date a whole year in advance um but yeah yeah um i agree with you i'm looking forward to it i'm glad to see you guys think it's cool too judy barton says it's so exciting michael Mabry says it's awesome and yeah it is definitely a big swing potentially a home run but we'll have to wait a long while to find out for sure all right I wanted to, uh, unless you have any other thoughts, feel free to interrupt, but I wanted to shift gears and talk about some juicy legal drama that is a little old, but I wanted to touch on because I am conflicted over this story, Corey, and I'm curious whether you, and I'm curious why a lot of you guys watching feel the same or differently. So I think it was late last week. I forget. Um, it came out that Scarlett Johansson, famed actor, is suing Disney over her new film, Black Widow, which came out a few weeks ago. Her final curtain call in the MCU, at least I would assume if she's suing her company, she's not going to come back for anything else, where the story is basically, this movie comes out, Disney decides, because of its pandemic times, to release it both in theaters and make it available on Disney Plus for an extra $30 fee via its premiere access function. The movie does, like, fine it's one of those weird things where it like made over 300 million dollars but we're all acting like it didn't make a lot which i guess in relative terms it didn't make a ton as much adventures end game but it still made over well over 300 million dollars and basically scarlett johansson sued the company saying that because her salary was tied to like 
physical box office returns from the movie theaters that she lost out on as much as $50 million that she would have made had Disney not also released it on Disney Plus, where folks are just like watching it at home, not going to the theaters, making their own damn popcorn, and um, just stealing her not not stealing her money but um that disney should have consulted with her this that was a violation of their contract and the 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 conflict quickly got sort of ugly <laughs> like disney came back with this really um personal kind of rebuff saying that there is no merit whatsoever to this filing the lawsuit is, is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was like, damn, like Disney is going very hard publicly against Scarlett Johansson and her lawsuit. Um, it also said that she already made $20 million in the movie, which kind of is like, I think their way of saying like, didn't she make enough people to get people on their side? And um, it's important for a bunch of reasons. A, I mean, who doesn't like Hollywood drama where an actor like just kind of and is, is fighting Disney? That's always fun. But also right. the, the result of it could determine whether movies continue to be released on streaming services. And I guess I'll just ask you first, what what do you think of this? Are you on a side? And people, you two out there, what do you what do you make of this conflict? I don't know if I'm on a side, but I do have lots of thoughts. So first of all, <laughs> if there is a sequel, I think we can say Scarlett Johansson is not going to be in it. Um, but, and, but I will say credit to her because, you know, last year, you know, like when Warner brothers pulled their move and they said all their, their big movies were going to go on HBO mm-hmm. max and Disney kind of did the same with, with us, you know, some of their movies, Twist. Uh, you know, Mulan and this one and a couple of the other ones. Um, you know, Scar Johansson has been the only one who has stood up and, and actually, you know, everybody complained about it. All the actors or producers, they all complained about There's it. Nobody actually yeah. did anything. So, I mean, like I said, credit to her for actually, you know, doing something about it and not just complaining and trying to affect some sort of change. That being said, I do kind of wonder where she's, where her team is getting this $50 million dollar. Uh, sure. number because if Disney is correct and I'm, I'm assuming they are as far as they've already paid her $20 million, you know, you're talking that her fee was like $70 million for the show. For the, well, like for she's the saying that it would have made so much more money in theaters. She would have gotten the percentage. It would have been as much as 50 million. I, I mean, I don't know that, that, figure seems to be very pretty high because i mean optimistic okay, 300 million is actually no not a uh You're that's right, on yeah, the lower end that's more like ant-man and some of the 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 lower tier character i don't want lower tier but the less you know the non-iron man captain america movies and non-avengers movies make a lot of them making that 300 400 million dollar range and that's actually mm-hmm. really good that's fine uh, so if she's saying, you know, $50 million, you're talking, they promised her a sixth of the profits or, or, you know, roughly in that range, you know, I mean, what did she really expect it to make 500 million, which is like more than the first Captain America ma- movie made, you know, that number to me seems very, very high. So, I mean, I just, and also, I mean, portions of, uh, portions of the proceeds are usually reserved for, you know, your very top tier, you know, actors inside oh, of careful a, now, you know, 
inside of a film community. And I mean, with respect to Black Widow, I don't think she was on the same level as, as like Robert Downey Jr. Or Ooh. you know what I mean? So to to say that she was promised a portion of the profits, I just don't I don't know. I, I that the the math seems fuzzy to me. So I don't know. I mean, doesn't it seem a little exaggerated? Oh, I mean, to you? like it feels like a number you put in a lawsuit going high, assuming it will be negotiated down during right. the actual process of the court thing. That's what it seems like to me. My uh big bigger issue with it is I'm of two minds that uh I mean, yes, I, I I can believe that Disney would violate her contract and not talk to her if it thought it could make more money through Disney Plus. Not hard to believe. I'm not a fan of Disney, really, when it comes to this stuff. My other situation, <laughs> now it's more, Dan knows law. I did go to law school. Yes, I'm so aware of these things. My bigger issue with it is that, I mean, if she wins, like, let's say that a judge does hand down that, yes... Um, you need to uh, pay her this huge amount. I mean, the worst case scenario is they'll stop releasing movies on streaming services because all these stars and all these directors like Denny Villeneuve of Dune, like they they don't want movies to come out on HBO Max, Disney Plus. They want sure. them in the theaters. And right. speaking as like a a a customer, a viewer, a fan, I am completely in favor of movies coming out on Disney Plus, Matrix Max, and in the theaters. Like, that is, that gives ordinary people more choice. Especially, yes, during the pandemic. I mean, it, 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 it does seem a little um, gauche to be suing a company to affect change, and the change you will eventually affect with this lawsuit, if, it, if it's successful, is that Movies will only be released in theaters, forcing folk to go to theaters at a time when going to public space is dangerous. That is optics. That is true. I don't like Disney's way of... I thought they were very, like, weirdly... Again, like, weirdly personalized weirdly statement. Person. But. Right. They, it was not a, uh, you know, a copy-paste response to a lawsuit. It, it, it did Oh, no. Someone was mad. Like... Uh, yeah. Apparently, Kevin Feige was like angry and embarrassed about it, and like he's on, in the middle of all this. Not on, not on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like Kevin Feige is like, I, I don't like how you handled that. Like someone should have probably talked to me. Yeah, like yeah. He, he was not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that either. Um, yeah. It, go on. You know, the other thing though is I, I hate to to stand up for the big corporation, but you know, if <laughs> but you remember. But I'm going to, um, you know, when Mulan was about to come out, uh, you know, Mulan didn't I don't think it changed its premiere date. It just shifted from the theaters onto Disney Plus. I don't remember. Whereas Black Widow was supposed to. It changed the premiere date. I remember that Mulan was like, I remember there were like ads for that on the train terminal. Like not that much, I I guess is my point. It it, it shifted a little, uh, you know, but like Black Widow was supposed to come out last summer. It was yes, supposed it was. to come out over a year ago. It, mm-hmm. This film has been in the can for a long time. And to me, just from the outside before this lawsuit, it it seemed like Disney was doing everything it could to wait to have Black Widow in theaters. Oh, Whereas yeah. like with Mulan and a couple of the other movies that they released, they just dumped them, you know, basically as soon as they, you know, could. And this one, they kept pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back until they felt like they could at least have some theater involvement. So, I mean, to me, 
it, it seems like they went the extra mile and maybe that's why they're feeling a little jilted by, by Scarlet <laughs> because they felt like they were trying to go the extra mile and get it in theaters as much as they could. Sure. But at some point they have to release the damn movie. They can't just sit here for the next 10. I mean, it looks like we're about to all get shut down again. Who knows? And yeah. so it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. She probably, you know, was promised part of the profits or something like that. I think again, she's over that her team's probably overestimating that, but I also, I don't know. Disney doesn't strike me as the kind of company that would allow themselves to easily be dunked on in court. So no. Yeah. So I tend to, I tend to lean towards there is something in the contract that, that did not stipulate it had to be released in theaters and that her portion of the proceeds were only guaranteed if the film was released in theaters and that Disney probably reserved the right to release it. However the hell they wanted, you know what I mean? And if it was, she got a cut, but if it wasn't like that would, that seems like I'd be very shocked if this ended up going her way right out the gate. I mean, maybe, maybe Disney settles and gives her something. Probably. I imagine. Yeah. I don't think that she'll ultimately get a big game changing industry changing number where other studios are like, well, we can't do this. Because it just seems like to me that there's some, there's probably something in her contract that basically absolves Disney of any kind of, uh, you know, guilt or whatever you want to say in this case. And I'd be shocked if it was otherwise. I'd be shocked if the contract just straight said it has to come out in theaters and you have to give me at least X amount. I, I'd be very shocked if that was the case. I mean, I'm not going to get too far into it. I I, I did because like, remember that this movie was this movie was filmed like years ago, like. No one knew there was going to be a pandemic. No one knew there was going to be a situation right. where we're going to have to release things into streaming services. But I also did read that even back when it was being made and negotiated, that Disney Plus was on the horizon. And like, look, they're not dumb Hollywood types. They can be like, oh, you're going to want to release this on that, aren't you? So there could have been a stipulation to that. I'm sure the pandemic made all the difference. The pandemic forced their hand. And like you said, they pushed it back and back and back, probably because they, they were afraid yeah. of actors like ScarJo coming for them, where someone in Mulan doesn't have that kind of leverage. Um, but a big star, like, I mean, according to you, she's garbage compared to Robert Downey Jr., but a big star, according to Corey Smith, that's, that's Corey Smith's words, not mine. Um, I love Hansen. I'm just saying in the hierarchy of the MCU, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. So... I, I, like I said, well, I'll be, I mean, I'll, I'm interested to see how it goes because sure, it is, like I said, it's the first time any of these, uh, you know, actors, producers, directors, whatever, you know, however they're involved is actually fighting back against one of the companies for their release schedule. Um, Cause you know, we saw, we saw Christopher Nolan throw a fit about tenant. Denny Villeneuve threw a fit about Dune. We're probably still Dune throwing Dune. a fit for all we knew. Yeah. So, and, but none of them actually, um well, like they're do- like Denny Villeneuve apparently is like is doing stuff just not a lawsuit like there he, he was like doing more back channel stuff with his agents and crap I do also yeah and that's the I mean I'm glad you brought that up because I do also wonder why why it reached this point um you know because to me if you're Disney how do you not just throw you know write her a check for 10 million dollars extra and just tell her to you know you know what I mean to avoid the loss she wants 
50 million, Corey. She, she and that, earned Right. And million. so to me, that I am surprised that it came to this point because it just seems like it could have easily been avoided by Disney um, if they had just, you know, handled it in a in private instead of it going into public, I which I think that. is the last thing Disney wants. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's why they, you know, maybe they thought they had something, you know, they, they had been having the private talks and they were getting somewhere and then maybe they felt blindsided by this. And that's why they had the kind of weirdly personal uh, <laughs> reply. So I like Nicole uh, Carbon Hatch's comment. I agree. More choices, better. Why can't the actors have a piece of the streaming pie of the streaming pie profits too? And I think that's what'll happen going forward. Like if this becomes a standard thing where you put movies out on streaming services, you're, that's going to be have, that's going to have to be a part of the negotiations. Uh, whether yeah. you're King of Bernie Jr. or a trash person like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, and I think that will end up being the industry the way the industry goes. I think that with the way streaming, especially during the pandemic, is is kind of. Uh, what do you want to call it? Kind of giving it a kickstart. It's, it's gone, it's grown faster than I think a lot of people anticipated oh, yeah. it. And I think that eventually, yeah, people have, have stipulations in their contract that cover things like this. I think right now they just don't necessarily know how to quantify how much does a, how much does one view equal, right? You know what I mean? I think that's where the metrics is probably where they're struggling because like for instance, when I got it, I had people over and we watched it together oh, yeah? for $30. For $30 Did you like right? it? Uh, I don't think we need to get into that. Okay, uh, fair enough. Keep going. No, I was not a fan. I think I'm guessing probably, no. I mean, you I'm, never, never mind. Keep, keep going. Yeah, but um, no, but I'm saying like, how do you, so how do you quantify how many people, you know, yes, you had a streaming view from me, but I mean, what if I had 10 people over at my house or what if I had two, like how mm -hmm. I just, I think the metrics is where they struggle as far as how do you pay your actors for, for things that are, that are just streaming um, and not in theaters. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think we've gotten to the root of it. I think we solved it. I think we should be in retainer at Disney. And as Corey Thone says, the legend Corey Thone, maybe Scarjo can pay for decorations in your house. I don't know if you want to correct me on that score or not. And, um, Scarjo might listen to this podcast. Hey, I was just quoting what Corey Smith said. I, I think Scarjo is great. It's not my fault that Corey Smith thinks she is um, refuse. It's not her fault that she was. I, I love Scarlett Johansson as an actress. It's not her fault that she was underused in the MCU. And no, it's not. It's That's definitely a long story. not her fault that the movie made literally no sense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> All right. Let's move on um, to... Uh, a segment we do a lot of the time. What are we watching? What are we watching? What are you watching? We want to know. Tell us. And I'll just kick it off. I, I'm much, much new. I meant to go see The Green Knight in theaters, and I didn't because I was busy over the weekend. Um, I did watch uh, a bunch of episodes of Wellington Paranormal on HBO Max, which is the spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows, which I think is a great show. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen that show? Yeah, absolutely. Vampire comedy. So, 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 so funny. What the Paranormal is kind of like in the same world, but it's about the police officers who are kind of getting these calls. It's, it's like cops, but um, they're investigating vampire sightings and ghost attacks and werewolf bites and that kind of thing. And they're very hapless and kind of uh, idiotic. And it's very charming, very deadpan, very like um, the joke is that they don't get the joke, sort of a right. office -y type humor. 
And it's good. I mean, that that movie is good. That show is good. And I'm enjoying it. And that's the really thing I only knew watched today. That's the only new thing I watched this week. But Corey, you, um, I want to bring you on because you watch some things that don't often get talked about a lot. And you're here to evangelize about some shows that need some more loving. So, Corey, what have you been watching? Yeah, so I've been watching a, a couple of foreign language uh, shows. Oh, and so I sophisticated. Think, yeah, I know. Um, but I think Netflix seems to be trending towards, uh, I think they're they're kind of cheaper to make than than some of the American shows. It does, yeah. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're kind of buying up shows that are already getting made overseas anyways. Um, and so there's a lot of good stuff out there. One of the ones um that recently just came out with like a sort of side movie is a korean series called uh kingdom um which basically um it, it kind of deals with zombies and political intrigue back in the uh i think it's the early 1800s in korea um so you've got like the you've got the um you know, the power play and the politics going around, uh, you know, revolving around the king of, of uh, Korea back then. Um, but then you also throw in a zombie plague that's starting to overtake the country and how different people, how different parties kind of play into that. And it's just a very, very excellent uh, show. Um, the zombies are, are very well done. The, the effects are really well done. Um, the acting is great. They, I mean, they have it dubbed in English. If you don't want to read subtitles, I mean, not, I, you know, I don't blame some people for that. They have it dubbed in English and the dub is pretty good. I've, you know, kind of switched back and forth between the dub and the, and the subtitles, but it's, it's a very, very good show. It, it's two seasons plus this little uh, side movie that they just uh, released that kind of deals with the origins of the show. Um, so I definitely highly recommend that show. I, I really enjoyed it and, and got through it really, really fast. So sweet. It does look really cool. Um, you know, like a period zombie piece is definitely a fun idea and I'll, I'll try to find time to watch it before I know yeah. you're going. No, no, no. I, yeah. And then the other show I was going to say was, um, it's a German series, uh, called barbarians. Um, and this kind of has more of like a, um, the last kingdom. I, I know you're familiar with the last oh, kingdom, yeah. uh, which is a British, British series. Um, British. This kind of deals with uh, kind of the same, some of the same themes in that one of the main characters was, was born in Germany, but he was raised in Rome. And now as yeah. the series opens, he's brought back to, to Germany, to his childhood friends, his family, but as a Roman uh, legionnaire. So it does sound like the last kingdom. Yeah, it's it's got the kind of two worlds, you know, right, right. both worlds uh, thing going on, and it's based on uh, real world history, just like the Last Kingdom. And he he's basically trying to navigate the Roman subjugation of of this area of Germany uh, back in I think it's the fourth century, um, fourth or fifth century. I don't know how much that matters, but um, so it's really good. And it's I think it's only one season so far, but Netflix ordered a second season of it. That's supposed to be out uh, sometime soon. And um, I think it's only six episodes. So it's one and same thing for kingdom. Those are only six episodes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You can binge through it really quickly. Um, And it's another show that just, it looks really well. There's a lot of, you know, swords and and fighting and and things like that. But also, like I said, the main character who's based on a historical figure, 
um, you know, navigating that world and deciding which one he wants to, to be ultimately be a part of. So that's a great series to watch. Um, I think we're kind of hitting a little bit of a dull spot. I know Disney plus has been releasing some, some good, you know, shows lately, but I think we're starting to get into a lull. So it's fun to kind of go back and maybe yeah, watch something you missed the first time around because something, you know, more hyped or whatever was out. So if you could only recommend one of those shows to the good people who are watching, which one would it be kingdom or barbarians? Probably kingdom. Um, because it, there, like I said, there's two seasons to that. So it feels a little sure. more complete. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think kingdom would probably be the one that, that I would recommend over the two. They're both very excellent, but yeah, kingdom because it has two, there's a little bit more to chew on and a little bit more to, to digest and get into. So cool. And actually, if there's only six episodes a season, I could probably watch that. It's always hard to dive into like a giant new show when you have so much to watch besides. But I always yeah. like a nice, com- compact ish, uh, but still epic and thrilling tale. Go check it out. Before yeah. we move on to our final segment, let's read some comments. We're getting some good ones. As Nicole says, the Green Knight looks interesting, but not sure I will go into the theater for it right now, which I uh, I completely agree with. I'm hoping to sneak in this Friday and maybe like go to the theater once in two years before everything shuts down again. I'm vaccinated. It might be the last oh, chance. You better get in there. It might be there. the last chance. I know I got no, to. Like, you got to get in there because who knows what's going to happen in a couple months. I mean, I, yeah. I, would- I see the Suicide Squad, too. It's getting like rave, rave, rave reviews. I wasn't going to, but after those reviews, I was like, oh, God, maybe I should. So, and that luckily comes out on HBO Max, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. And we'll be plopping in front of my TV to to sit down and watch that. Because, yeah, I've heard lots, lots of really good things. It seemed like yeah. a kind of unnecessary movie when it, it was did originally- but yeah i mean apparently people love the hell out of it so good for it um yeah also says that nicole that excited for chapel weight on epics in a few weeks looks spooky and cool i agree love stephen king oh who's in that who's the lead i forget now it's gonna bother me but also uh christian asks is netflix going to cave and do a season four of manifest i mean the will is certainly there christian um and netflix does sometimes respond to that so we'll see Wait, really quickly. Who is the main guy in Chapel Wait? Adrian Brody. That's the one. Okay. I wanted to say um, Kylo Ren, actor man. Adam, Adam Thank Driver? you. Thank you, Adam Driver. But no, it's more like uh, the yesterday's Adam Driver, Adrian Brody. He's making cologne commercials. Adam Driver is too busy. Oh, he's he doesn't have a shirt. He's riding a horse. He's in the water. He's doing very important work. Um, yeah. And finally, Corey, I wanted to uh, bring you into our final segment, the Wick News Lightning Round. Lightning Round right here. Where we go through some of the stories that are nice, but didn't have time to really cover in depth. And we each have 20 seconds to respond to them and give our final definitive takes. I can start and then we'll go back and forth. Corey, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this, watchers? Do it. Hit okay. Me. 20 seconds on the clock. First story. Uh, Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel will cost $5,000 for a two-night stay for two people. Corey, are you interested? Absolutely not. (laughs) Is that literally it? I don't need 20 seconds. Absolutely not. No way. Not a chance. You're right. What what a stupid, insulting price to go LARP with your girlfriend for two nights. Good Lord. And it gets even higher for, like, if you want to bring, like, three or four people. Like, to what? 
I love that it said like valet parking is included. Oh, well, that's two thousand dollars right there. That I guess is right. I mean, if Mark Hamill staying in the in the room with this, or, or maybe Adam Driver, okay, but uh, yeah, no thanks. Okay, apparently Sorry. Sorry, Disney. The, okay, there, there was no buzzer for that one because you were very fast. But usually there's a buzzer. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna disrupt you're, you're a disruptor. All right, uh, <laughs> hit me with one. Um, okay, so. Jodie Whittaker and the Doctor Who showrunner are leaving after the next season. Yeah, this uh, this uh, I mean, yes, I care because Doctor Who is an institution. It's a long running show. We all expected it, though. I mean, this isn't like shattering news. It's usually about three seasons and the actor is out. And there's already I will say, like, do you care that the the show does seem to like kind of be diminishing returns and how, how excited folks are for it. And I think. Oh, I, I don't know what I think. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Corey, House of the Dragon will feature at least three new Valyrian steel swords. I assume including Blackfire and Dark Sister. Does that excite you, Corey? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Condal, the showrunner uh, of House of the Dragon, is a mega ultra diamond level oh, God, nerd. Uh, he literally has a props podcast. So if he's putting out uh, a sword like that, it's going to be good. You're so good at this. I am terrible at this. Okay. Uh, I, I I guess hit me. Well, I mean, you're giving me these these uh, really hard charging, deep questions, but uh, a new live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is coming. Yay or nay? Excited? No. Nay, not excited. Just okay. I'm thinking of someone who like loved the Ninja Turtles when I was a little kid. Like, I guess I just don't have a nostalgia associated with it. And just, you know, it's one of those franchises that, like, a certain age of people really, really like it. But it was never, like, an amazing thing, I don't think. (laughs) Okay, I thought my game and and be where you are in this. Okay, how about this? Um, there is a new mo- mo- a new movie trilogy coming based on The Exorcist, made by the guys who make the new Halloween movies. Is that interesting, Court? Uh, I mean, I saw the original. I don't know why you need to have a whole trilogy of the movies, but I guess they've been making those Money. movies about dolls for <laughs> for like ten years now. It seems like a new one comes out every six months. So, eh. All right, my next challenges i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm gonna not take the whole 20 seconds this is what i'm gonna do and we're gonna see what happens oh the next one's hard okay fine give it to me okay so i've never actually heard of these books but Neither did I. mercedes 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 lackey she has a, a universe a fantasy universe called the valdemar universe coming and it's going to be adapted for tv any interest and bonus question who's adapting it we don't know it's like um this studio there's no like network yet. There's no premiere date or anything. It's just like an idea out there. It like I hadn't heard it either. It's cool though because this is a big fantasy thing. Like back in the '80s, and it has like the first openly gay like fantasy hero in a fantasy. Like if Aragorn was gay, which is I think is interesting because like oh, there's so much to say about that. But it's different. It, 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 yes, it's different. But I, I, I the rules are I can't say anything else. So we're, we're moving on. All right. Um. Okay. Are you interested in Venom? Let there be carnage. Carnage has a new trailer where Woody Harrelson has a red, has a red wig and a, and a, and a, and a yen for blood. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Woody Harrelson is, is amazing pretty much in everything he does. Uh, yeah. So is Tom Hardy. So, I mean, I think that was the big problem with it. I mean, not that I have a big problem, but 
the first movie was lacking an opposite presence. Sure. I think Woody Harrelson can hold his own with Tom Hardy. I, I, I wish you were worse at this or I was better. But yeah, I agree. All right. Do the last one. So the last one is uh, we got a first look at, at Disney Plus's new Hawkeye show. It shows him and I'm doubting I'm I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, his little sidekick. It's a um, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, who is apparently Bishop, like a yeah. like the mini Hawkeye in the comics. I mean, this is the show that I'm probably least interested in that Disney is putting out. Um, I think it's nice. I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't think I'll watch it. Their challenge now is to like get us interested in every Marvel show they put out, even when there are going to be some that are like higher, like more interesting than others, you know, which I think could hurt them if they, if they want to connect all of them. Look at that. Under the bubble. Love it. All right. Well, Corey, thank you for coming on. Thank you for helping me up my lightning round game. Um, thank you. Now, I... No more Scott Johansson jokes. Just thank you in general for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Come on whenever you want. Um, any other final thoughts about anything at all before you sign off? No, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, anytime you need me back, let of me course. know. Will do. And everybody out there, thanks for watching. We are available in podcast form um, wherever podcasts are available on Google Play, iTunes, etc. and so forth. We're also stream live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winners Coming Facebook page and the Winners Coming YouTube page. Thanks for being here and see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.